Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Actress in a Comedy Series. Plus you'll hear Dominic's interview with Sanaa Lathan from The Twilight Zone and my interview with Amy Adams and Jean-Marc Vallée from Sharp Objects, which we did at our annual Emmy Contenders event. Yes. But... We did our content, Emmys Contenders event, and now we're really deep, starting to get deep into the Emmy season. You know, everyone's got their FYCs, their events, they've got their, their stagings, et cetera, et cetera. Almost every night now I'm getting invited to one of these, you know, and, right. and, and I'm even moderating a couple of them. I'm sure yeah. you are too. But when we talk about comedy, I think, we re- I think there is, there's a new sheriff in town. Whereas before it was Julia Louis-Dreyfus with Veep, right. I now really feel like Rachel Brosnahan for Miss Maisel, the amazing Miss Maisel, the marvelous Miss Maisel, I feel like she owns this category now. Uh, well, she owned it last year, but Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who owned it six years previous in a row, set every record, wasn't eligible. She's back this year. So I think Julia Louis-Dreyfus returns uh, and gets the crown again. For the final season final of Veep. Final season of Veep. I, I, I think... Um, this is sort of an untested thing, but it's the latest thing with Emmys now in the last few years with some shows that are big winners going off for a year and then coming back. Um, but the ones that have been Well, I mean, back, I mean, we should be clear. Julia had cancer. Yes. And that was a big part of this. And, but, and clearly they, they had to take some time down. And I actually think it worked in... in, in yeah. A, I'm very glad she's healthy. Awesome. Because um, she's a true star in every way. But also, um, you know, I've talked to some other members of the cast and they said... That gave us some time to kind of adjust to the new normal for the political satire of Veep, where they're like, we can't really satirize the reality of America anymore. We have to go further. Yeah, but before Julia's um, cancer diagnosis was revealed to her, which was the day after the Emmys, if you recall, the last time she won, I actually talked to her at the Emmys, and she told me that that show would not be eligible the next year. Their, Their production schedule was going to be different. And uh, I did that story that yeah. night. And uh, so I don't think it was tied to her cancer. I think that was a decision they'd already made, uh, HBO. And, uh, and so, a- at any rate, it is back. Yeah. And, and it's it, back strong. And it's, it's back, back very, very strong. strong. And I just don't see how Julia Louis-Dreyfus goes without an Emmy for the final season at this point. Now, you're absolutely right. Rachel Brosnahan coming in strong here. Uh, they really like that show. So... So that's her competition for sure. Or maybe this. maybe what we're going to see this year is maybe we're going to see the handover in a sense is because I think I think final seasons always have that little bit of extra juice when it comes yeah. into award season. Right. And and maybe maybe this will be the case that Julia will get it for her awesome depiction of a absolutely despicable human being, Selena Meyer. Right. Uh, the ex-vice president and ex-president of the United States. Plus the whole now, personal story yeah. of Julia really is going to play into this too. I mean, she, I think she probably could win without that, but, but that backstory, the personal story is going to help. I think help. so too, but yeah. I, I, I think that that's, I, I never know about that. You know, I, I think there's great, there's great stories that, that happen to actors and actresses' personal lives. But I, I think sometimes also voters also guard against that. They're like, I don't want to be extra swayed because I feel great for them or bad for them. I want to just admire them on the work. The work of the last season of Veep is fantastic. Miss Maisel was fantastic. Also coming back for more. Maybe you're right. Maybe it, it, this Julia wins and and Rachel Rachel becomes the presumptive nominee going forward. Well, we have you know two reigning champions yeah. here going into this. Uh, so you know we have two defending the crown as it were here. So let's talk about the ones that don't have a chance 
pretty much everyone else here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a very short segment today, actually. Or, or, or Pete and I are just going to do a lot of filler. Hey, you always are good with stats. You yes. do all stats. Like, you could say, well, in 1984, you're great with stats. Well, there we go. Now, <laughs> could there be such a close race between these two reigning champs, Rachel Brosnahan and uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, to mean someone else could sneak in there? Let's see who that would be. Well, I have two okay. that I think for, that I think will definitely be nominated and could be a winner, which is A, Pamela Outland for mm -hmm. Better Things, which is a show that just gets better and better. I'm trying not to say that because it sounds like a hackney journal thing to say, but Better Things is better this season right. and it's better. it was better last season. Yeah. Just tremendous show. Um, so, and, and FX are... They're putting a pretty strong campaign behind it moving forward. The other person I think is Natasha Leon for uh, Netflix's Russian Doll, which um, was produced by Amy Poehler, but just Natasha did a fantastic job on what is essentially deja voodoo, for right. a lack of a better way to put it. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and a story of someone who dies and then comes back to life and recurs, 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 recurs in, in, in New York City at a, at, a, at a party that I'm sure I went to several times, actually. <laughs> so I think that both of them are very, very strong. But... Look, they got like Issa Rae, always great work. You know, Jane yeah. Fonda for Grace and Frankie, Lily Tomlin for Grace and Frankie, Allison Janney for Mom, all great people. Tracy Ellis Ross for for uh, for uh, Blackish, but all awesome, awesome people. But yeah. honestly, you've got these two Mount Rushmores just sitting in front of you, and you're not getting past it. Them. It's tough. It is tough. And you know, I think you're right. I, you know, uh, in terms of. You never of, think I'm right. I do think you're right on this. Huh? Uh, Better Things and Russian Doll, I happen to know. Both of them are getting big pushes from their respective companies. I know Netflix is extremely high on their chances for Russian dolls. Oh, my God. They're in my, I always <laughs> use, you know, on the corner of Sunset and Vermont, yeah. my neighborhood, right. Netflix, I guess it's one of those billboards they own, you know. Um, they, yeah. you can always tell where they're, they're laying down the pedal a little right. bit more, who gets up there. And Russian doll has been there for weeks. Yes. Like, it's usually 10 days, yeah. flip over. Just, it, it, it is. It's the Russian oh. doll billboard. Well, I talked to uh, Lisa Tabak, who runs their awards campaigns, both for the Oscars and the Emmys. The other night I had dinner with her. Who also, by the way, is an Oscar winner. Uh, well, not technically, but yeah. <laughs> the movie that she has a uh, producing credit on uh, won uh, Best uh, Short Subject yeah. uh, Live Action, uh, but the Oscar actually went to the teacher from the school and the filmmaker itself. Don't, don't take Lisa's Oscar. Uh, I'm not, but you know, I know the movie won. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, at any rate, uh, she was really telling me the whole thing about Russian dolls and how they are very high and think that that's maybe their next big uh, thing to get into the Emmy race uh, in terms of uh, oh, yeah. nominations at, at the very least. And Pamela Adlin was the benefit of the FX, the very first ad I saw for Emmys this year. Big trade ads in, in the print and, and online and everything for that show. That's how they launched their whole Emmy season campaign. So you can see they also have decided that this may be a year where a spoiler can come in. And that may be part of the thinking there too, that these other two, you know, Mount Rushmore, as you say, are gonna cancel themselves out. Could happen. I yeah. mean, it, it, you know, I mean, you're the master of the stats yeah. when it comes to these things, but time and time again, there looks like a sure thing and it's not. It's not a surprise. You see a lot of surprises in the Emmys that happen. You know, all of a sudden, especially after a few seasons, all of a sudden somebody wins. Look at Kyle Chandler for Friday Night Lights. Look Matthew at John Reese Hamm. for the Americans. Yeah, you know, a lot of people come up towards the end, and, and a lot of these people have been nominated uh, numerous times. I'm looking at Tracy Ellis Ross, you know, uh, consistently here, too. 
um, and Pamela Adlin for the last two or three years. You know who's someone who I really think could play a role in this, though? That There's two people, actually, who I think could play a, a, another, de definitely on the short list for, for nominations and could also be, right. which is Catherine O'Hara Yeah, for I Schitt's love Creek. Her. Yeah. Um, which is another show that isn't in its final season, but is going towards its final season. Yeah. And um, Rachel Bloom for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which has just yeah. just recently wrapped up its final season. Um, there's talk of there being a musical, which is a yeah. natural a natural shift for it. That show, yeah. The thing here is on that. Um, you know, I used to be on the board of governors of Television Academy, and there is a bylaw that says we cannot give an Emmy to the CW. So, you know, don't count. Is that on an that. invisible ink? <laughs> It is an invisible ink, but <laughs> if, I, if I hold if I hold the paper up against one of the walls on the saban, yeah. I'm like, oh, I can read it in red and yellow. Yeah, don't count on that one. Yeah, but but I, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If that yeah. bylaw in invisible ink was invisibly revoked, right? Rachel would definitely be, and Riverdale would be best drama series. Now, I thought, what's wrong with that? <laughs> you say that yeah. so dismissively. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan. Oh, big mm -hmm. fan! I can tell. Um, you grew up during the Archie comics era. What and I love the comics, but they've ruined them with that show. You know, they used to be funny. They were comic books. Oh, it's, not, it's, it's, it's River, Riverdale is serious. My oh, friend. Riverdale, me. Riverdale is teenage mm -hmm. Twin Peaks. Yes, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very serious. Aidy Bryant is another one I like a lot. But there were only six episodes there, but it, it's a great backstory of that. And, and it's, a, it's a show that I think really works. It's coming back. And uh, that's one to look for. I don't think she'll break in on this time. However, she did get nominated out of the whole cast last year uh, for Saturday Night Live. So they are noticing her. And maybe in this show, too, if it gets any kind of push. Um, so so yeah. if, if if we went to Vegas on this, yeah. where would you, how would you do the stats for Julia, for for uh, at Rachel, and then maybe for like, you know, three others that might get in? Where, would, yeah, where well, would you place it? I would definitely put those two, you know, sort of right at the top, obviously, uh, with odds. Uh, Julia slightly higher. So odds. what's your slide? Is it like 45, 40, 55 for Julia, 45 for Rachel? Yeah, it's somewhere around there. That's pretty yeah. close. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty close. I think for it is. That's why I say somebody could sneak yeah, in. That's, actually, that's yeah. pretty close for what would yeah. be on any other year, right. especially with her track record, a yeah. slam dunk for Julia. Yeah. This could be uh, one of those categories that provokes a big surprise. Well, so. surprises are what we like because yeah. it, makes, it makes it all the more interesting in Absolutely. many different ways. Having said that, yeah. what is very, very interesting, at least to me, is the is CBS's All Access's reboot. I think it's the third revival of The Twilight Zone, at which least. of course is like <laughs> one of the easily top five greatest television shows of all time, easily, yeah. and certainly like if not the most influential, the second most influential ever, right? Yeah. Um, and I had the great fortune to talk to Sanaa Lethan, who is plays. I don't want to give it away, but she's in an excellent episode, third one actually of of the of the CBS All Access uh, Twilight Zone called Replay. That is a magnificent story of a mother's journey to take her son to college, but also about race in America, about identity, about time. In a way, a new classic Twilight Zone. So take a listen to our little chat. Your episode debuted on CBS All Access on April 11th. Yes. And it was, it's a very powerful episode about the notion of time and the notion of race in America yes. and the notion of how those things can also reveal some of the darker elements of the discrimination that doesn't seem to leave us. Yeah, I know. It's... I, want, I want to get a sense from you. What are your feelings about how that episode came together and, and how it was put together in, in, in Jordan Peele's new Twilight? Yeah, movie? I was, um, first of all, when the script came to me, I was so excited to read it just 
knowing that it was this iconic series, Twilight Zone, which I was a fan of growing up. I saw a lot of the reruns and a lot of them stayed with me. I love the fact that it was entertainment that made you think and had kind of a moral question at the end of uh, every episode. And, um, and then Jordan Peele, he's w what an exciting artist, what an exciting filmmaker he is and um, important filmmaker. So those two elements, I was like, please let this be good. And the script, w which was written by Selwyn Hines, was so beautifully written. And it basically is this woman's emotional journey um, into the Twilight Zone. And so as an actor, it was, it's like, you know, she's going through hell, but Sanaa, I was like uh, happy every day to go to set because it's like I get to use my chops. Um, and, and, and a full aspect of them because there's, a ju there's jumps in time and sort of, yes. as they say, like picture this, a jump in sight and sound. Like exactly. It, re it really is. I mean, yeah. just for people who haven't had a chance to see it, the way the episode unfolds, it's a mother mm -hmm. taking her son, African-American son, to a yeah. historically black college yes. um, for, his, for his beginning of his college life. And you have a camcorder, an old style camcorder that basically when you rewind it allows you to look back into your own life and, and kind of it creates it potential rewinds, for crossroads. Exactly. It rewinds. She has an old camcorder, kind of the old one that with the flip cam, you know, that we all and the little used hand to have. leather. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, hand leather, right. And um, she's documenting their trip to his first day of college and she discovers by accident that when she presses rewind, it rewinds time for her. So in the moment, she's going back, but nobody else knows. So she discovers this, and within the episode, don't necessarily want to give it away. For those of you who haven't seen for it. The, yeah, for the ones who haven't seen it, um, basically they come up against some really life-threatening situations where she actually does rewind time to get out of the situation. And it's so many things. It's, it's a mother. It's... It's a test, it's, it's about a mother's love and how she will do whatever it takes to ensure the safety of her son. It's about um, black mothers and black boys and men in this society and the danger of the landscape, even to this day, um, for their survival. It's about um, having to make peace with your past so that you can move forward and thrive. So it's, it was just so layered and as and, um, soon as I finished the script, I was like, I gotta do this. And uh, it, it definitely was challenging shooting because we're jumping back and forth constantly. I was gonna say, uh, even on, on any show where you don't shoot consecutively, yes. this is like double trouble because there isn't really <laughs> consecutively to begin with. It moves all exactly. around. Exactly. So I, at our uh, Deadline Contenders event, which was uh, a few weeks ago, uh, had the opportunity once again to talk to one of my favorite actresses, Amy Adams, and a great director who in both movies and television now, he did Big Little Lies, is Jean-Marc and coming And more Big Little Lies to come. Yes, yeah. and more Big Little Lies, uh, but he's not directing that. Uh, but he is directing Sharp Objects here and did a great job with his signature um, uh, directing style, very uh, mysterious uh, kinds of uh, approaches to uh, this, this uh, book, which was by uh, Gillian Flynn and uh, really is good. I thought Sharp Objects was a terrific limited series. 
Uh, and Amy Adams, wonderful in it. Uh, she's definitely going to be nominated for lead actress in a, a limited series or movie this year. Uh, and uh, you'll see why as we had this very nice conversation at Contenders. It is, I was telling Sean Mark out there, it's so complex. <laughs> I can see why you would be interested in playing this character. She's fascinating. and She really is. Yeah. Uh, she was a big challenge and really fun to play in that way, you know? Yeah. Had you um, ha had any um, inkling of this before, or how did it come to you? Um, I was familiar with Gillian's work. Yeah. Um, there was an adaptation of Dark Places that I had looked at, and then, of course, Gone Girl. And so I was a big fan of her work and the complex characters that she created for women to play. And when this came across my desk, so to speak, um, it's terrified me, and I thought, yeah, I should probably explore this. And then uh, Jean-Marc came aboard, and we were really lucky to have his unique vision um, on the show. You as were actually well. going to do another a movie together or something. We were. Yeah. Yeah. We had been working. We had developing a Janis Joplin project for like a year or so. Yeah. yeah. It didn't work out. No. The we Janis, got to do this. So. The Janis Joplin. I know. I remember reading about that. And yeah. Yeah. That's a tough thing about the movie business is you develop stuff and you go along and. And here with HBO, they give you all the money and say, go out and shoot eight episodes, and you get a director who also edits all of them, directs all of them. I mean, I think that's why we have such a unique vision on the show, is because you do have Jean-Marc, and he's a singular voice in that way, and, and we were really lucky that um, he had just come off Big Little Lies, so I know he was tired, so I was glad yeah, that, yeah, I was really glad man. that, <laughs> he's still tired, <laughs> um, but uh, we were just really fortunate to have that. Talk about Camille. I mean, here she is. She's a, a journalist. Um, she's sent on an assignment, essentially, to what turns out to be her hometown. And everything gets so complicated for her in so many ways. Yeah, I mean, I think her relationship with her family and her history, her past, is very complicated. And I think the town itself has its own history that needs to sort of be resolved throughout the course of the, the show. And... Um, I think that's something that a lot of people can identify with, is this idea of returning to one's past and the way that that draws us back into unresolved history. And I think hers is just very, very extreme. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, Jean-Marc, uh, it's so unique, the filmmaking style here, too. It, it's with the flashbacks and the editing style of it. How difficult was it to adapt, essentially, this book and bring it on screen with all these internal thoughts and, and how you made it visual here? Well, it starts with writers. So Marty uh, Noxon and Gillian were the two creative writing forces behind it, and uh, it's it was it was I was I was uh, surprised that they didn't want to go with a voiceover. Right, there is no voiceover. There is no voiceover because this is the quality number one of the book. It's so powerful the way this character is, is her angle on the on the world, her family, the way she talks about her wounds the way she talks about her sexuality, her cutting. And uh, so at the beginning, I was, really? You're not putting any voice over there? That's suicide, no? They go, <laughs> they're, they're going to compare the series to the book, and, and we're going to get fucked. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and apparently we didn't. And uh, it just, it just uh, they, 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 it, they started to use this way of uh, going back and forth on the page, on the writing, in episode one and two, I remember these flashbacks, you know, and uh, 
and, and blending them in a way. And, uh, and then on the set, we decided to push that further and asking the actors to come uh, to try some, you know, to, to, to integrate more these moments of past and present and, uh, and even more in the cutting room. And then it became, it became a thing with the words. When she was feeling that a word was burning on her body, of course, in the book, it was an easy thing. She just talked about it. But how would we translate that into the, the, this medium? Became, it became, it became, we, we had some ideas on the set, but it became clear in the cutting room. And, uh, and she was going to see the words in her reality. So from her perspective, we see the words very briefly, very, 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 very fast. And that's when, that's when a word is burning on her body. And, uh, and, and from other perspectives, we don't see these words, only, only her. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was amazing to, to, to try to, to, to develop this, uh, this character through what she was thinking her, and, and her past and all her thoughts and going into her head, but stay in the present at the same time. And uh, so... That's what we did. So thanks, having listened to all that and listened to us go on and on and on about who we think is going to win in the best actress in a comedy series this year, or at least get the nod. Thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Now also make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss such a contentious episode as today. <laughs> and of course you can find all of our Emmy-breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you soon.